This is actually the final full workday in the newsroom for Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. Starting next week, we have loads of people who are off. And over the next two weeks, it's a thinner staff. So it's odd because we're still a week away from Christmas. But come Monday, we go into holiday mode. We will have podcasts for most of the next week. So we will be doing that. But there'll be a kind of a shifting in how we approach the news. It's Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn. I'm here with Lisa Garvin, Layla Tassi, Laura Johnson. This is the last day we're all going to be together on this podcast until probably January 3rd. So before we depart, even though we'll be on with each other in some shape or form, I hope you all have a great holiday. Same to you. Same to you. You too, yeah. It's been say, fun. Are you sad? Or are you excited that you're? I mean, I'm looking forward to taking some time. Off. I look. I I gotta tell you, I love talking to you guys every day. <laughs> it's it's really a highlight of this job. I feel fortunate that I get to do it. So so a little bit sad, you know. But I'll be talking to to each of you during the next two weeks, just in a different grouping. So. Let's begin. The legislature did pass more things in their lame duck session than we knew about in yesterday's discussion, but it still was not the wild and crazy lame duck session of years past. You could debate the pros and cons of most of what they passed instead of what we normally do saying, throw the flag, throw the flag. Let's start with the big $6 billion spending bill. Lisa, what's in that? There's a whole lot of stuff in there, and they didn't pass this bill until just before dawn on Thursday. This is mostly federal money that they've received, and that includes COVID funds that had to be allocated by the end of this calendar year. So the biggest chunk by far went to schools, $1.75 billion. 20% of that must be spent on pandemic learning losses. Nursing homes got $350 million for workforce relief. And then 60% of that um, is via the quality incentive program in nursing homes, where they can hold down the number of UTIs, bed sores, mobility issues, and catheter insertion problems. $500 million in direct payments to child care providers. Hospitals get $170 million for critical access. This is mostly for rural hospitals and ERs. And direct care staff compensation, also at rural uh, hospitals. $6.5 million of that will go to urban hospitals. School, school security, $112 million, up to $100,000 per school building. Rent assistance, $161 million for rent and utility debt that was incurred before 2022. Food banks get $25 million. Half of that is for purchasing protein products. And then $5 million goes to directly to the Children's Hunger Alliance. Lead poisoning gets $150 million for prevention programs. And then the remaining money would be for actually lead abatement in properties that were built before 1978. Lots more on the list, but we'll stop there to discuss. Yeah, I, you can't really quibble with the point of any of that. If, if, and it's a big if, it's spent properly, if there's an auditing function. I mean, it's another big gift to the nursing homes, but we do know from the pandemic, the nursing homes were having a hard time, but does the money truly go to changing things in the nursing home or does it line the pockets of the owners? But, but on the surface, this is nothing like the Cuyahoga County slush funds. This money, <laughs> when, you, when you go through what you just went through, I defy anybody to say, no, 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 that's squandering money. 
Right. I, I think all the budget, you know, allocations look good to me. You know, you might call this a bit slushy, but it's part of the lease agreement. Progressive Field got $30 million in House Bill 66 for Progressive Field renovations. Um, but this is part of the 2036 lease expansion that keeps the Guardians in Cleveland until that year. So this money was already tied up. Yeah. And look, that's fair because Mike DeWine said he was going to seek to contribute to that renovation. He's a big baseball fan. His family owns a minor league baseball team and minor league baseball teams also got some money out of this. But I I don't know. when, when, When it came time to talk about progressive field, the Guardians never threatened to leave, but that's always a danger. And so I think it's good that the state kicks in. This isn't just an mm-hmm. economic development tool for the city or the county. It's it's a regional one. And also, I had a question on this one, Chris. There was one that it removes one of two mandated instances where counties are required to pay to publish their delinquent property taxes in the newspaper. That was opposed by, by the Ohio News Media Association because that's, you know, ad revenue that they're losing. Yeah, there's, they've been trying to do that for years. It doesn't affect us at all, I should say, because in Cuyahoga County, they've been putting that into a legal newspaper for a long time. Um, so there's no conflict of interest for us. But uh, I, they're trying to save the counties some money, I think, by, by making that call. It's about transparency. If you stick it somewhere on the Internet where nobody can find it, that's a bad thing. One of the, the beauties of putting it into newspapers of wide circulation is lots of people look through it. And they did. I mean, how many times when that thing published, did we hear from people who are combing through it, looking for anomalies and things? How is a legal newspaper wide enough circulation to meet that it, it, standard? It, it does. I, you know, it, it, it does, and I don't want to debate it because we could have a conflict <laughs> fair of enough, Fair enough, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say, it should be with us and give us lots of money. Uh, I, got, I put a note out on, the, on subtext yesterday that said that, that Matt Huffman and Bob Cup looked like they largely showed leadership in the lame duck session, that there weren't these egregious things we've seen in the past. And I got blasted by a whole bunch of people saying, those guys are criminals. They, they never followed the Constitution on redistricting. How can you say it's a good thing that they didn't do egregious things now? But And I agree. They, what they did in redistricting, they violated the Constitution. They violated their oaths to uphold the Constitution. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't point out if they do something right. And it does look, to me at least, like they did. So even though people blasted me, I stand by it. It's today in Ohio. Anyone who drives knows the roads are filled with people who text when they drive. How many times have you been stuck at a red light because the driver at the front of the line is entranced by whatever is on their phone? Lame Duck Legislature took aim at those drivers. Layla, how did they do that? So in this giant criminal justice reform bill, Senate Bill 288, they included a measure that bans people from holding their cell phones while behind the wheel. Now, to be clear, drivers would still be allowed to hold a phone to their ear for a call. They can use a phone while parked or stopped at a traffic light. They can hold a conversation on speakerphone or they can use their phone to navigate. There are some other exceptions like that. Ohio already bans texting while driving, but this Senate bill would go further. It would make it illegal for drivers to hold their phones or press buttons or screens. So 
basically, I guess that includes dialing the phone. I mean, that's that's what this is against and texting. But it's a little confusing because if you're allowed to hold the phone to your ear, how are you supposed to place that call without dialing it? So something tells me that the confusing exceptions here are going to make this bill a little fraught, but I, I get the overall point. I mean, the bill would also allow law enforcement to pull drivers over solely for spotting a, a phone-related violation. Right now, officers in Ohio can only cite drivers for distracted driving after pulling them over for another offense. This this bill is now headed to Governor DeWine for a signature. It does a couple other things that we've talked about on the podcast. It would toughen penalties for aggravated vehicular homicide in cases where the victim is a firefighter. It would decriminalize test strips used to detect fentanyl, and, and it would it would toughen penalties for disrupting a religious service. It helps inmates better transition to life after release. Uh, things like that. Lots lots is packed into this bill. Uh, but, but yeah. What do you wait, think wait. about this uh, dis- distracted driver piece? I missed this. Did you say you could still do it at a stoplight? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what that's what the story says, that if you're stopped at a stoplight, you can then text. I, I don't know. I mean, how are police going to be able to observe a driver from a distance and determine whether or not they're, I don't know. I mean, but plus, you know what else this is going to do? This has immediately occurred to me. People are going to be then just like texting on their lap, <laughs> which is even worse because then they're going to be looking down while they do it. Yeah, um, just, or while they're dialing or inputting the, you know, their destination into their navigation tool or whatever it is. I mean, yeah. th- I don't think this is going to stop the problem. No, it's not going to stop the problem. And it's weak. Honestly, okay. it should ban all use of cell phones in the car. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, unless it's, mm-hmm. you know, hands-free or hands something. Hands-free completely. But, you know, that would penalize. You can't carve out these exceptions. That's just going to be so confusing. But that penalizes people of lesser means that can't no, afford it to have hands-free. No, so... you put it on speakerphone. Oh, you know, yeah, you could do that too. Okay. It's today in Ohio. Another surprise from the lame duck session is Aaron's Law. What does it do, Laura? So this requires schools to provide age-appropriate sexual abuse prevention education, but it does bar the use of any of those materials provided by entities associated with abortion. So you can't get your abuse information from Planned Parenthood. But school districts, charter schools, and science, technology, and engineering and math schools have to provide this annually, developmentally appropriate instruction. Uh, Kindergarten through sixth grade gets one set, and then kids grades seven through 12 also get sexual violence prevention education. And this is great news. Uh, a woman named Erin Marin has been pushing this, I think, eight times in the state legislature. I could be off on that, but she was really glad to see it finally pass. And we, I honestly was really surprised when I saw this yesterday morning. Uh, it all seems pretty controversial to protect kids, but this is Ohio. So there is an amendment. Um, and that is the, the abortion thing that Senator Sandra O'Brien brought up. Okay. That's a, it's another good one that they, they got through. It's today in Ohio. We've talked many a time on this podcast about unemployment fraud and how Ohio has failed to control it. It has cost billions. Lisa, lawmakers took a shot at that too. Did they do a better job than they did with texting and driving? 
They certainly did. Uh, Senate Bill 302 is now awaiting Governor DeWine's signature after passing through the Senate with unanimous approval, and then it was approved in the House 65 to 22. Um, This has been backed by business groups and also the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. So some of the changes that they've made in the Ohio Department of Jobs and Family Services must use tax filings to verify employee income if employers don't respond within 10 days. They are now allowed access to the Bureau of Motor Vehicles photo database for driver's license to use for ID verification. And they also must establish a verification system for applicants to special federal jobless benefits, like what we got, like the Paytech check protection program where there was rampant fraud. So they, they really want to have like a separate verification system for that. Between, between the spring of 2020 and August of this year, Ohio paid out $1 billion in fraudulent unemployment ca- claims. And this was mostly COVID relief. Yeah. I mean, it's taken them way too long to do something about this. Like I said, we've talked about this repeatedly. And a lot of Ohioans were hit with letters that made it sound like they had been victims of identity theft. So it's good. It's good to see them doing something. Let's see what happens in actuality. So far, Ohio keeps failing in that realm. But I do want to point out that Policy Matters Ohio said, yeah, this is going to help with fraud, but it does absolutely nothing to expedite the very slow processing of claims that were weeks and months delayed. Although that that delay is all relative, right, Laura, who's waiting for her Cleveland income tax refund? <laughs> I don't even want to get started. I mean, I just, <laughs> it's the holidays. Let's not have a rant right now. <laughs> right. It's today in Ohio. As interesting as what passed in the lame duck session is what did not. Laura, what were the big ones that did not make it through this time? So we've talked a lot about the voter approval threshold for the state constitutional amendment to 60%. That fizzled, though it could still be revived. This was a last-minute push from the Republican sponsor explicitly tying the measure to abortion, basically saying, guys, pass this now. It'll be harder to undo all the good work we've done to make Ohio a pro-life state. But but, But stop. Think about that. Up until now. It uh-huh. was, this is not about abortion. This is, right. at, it's just coincidence. Frank LaRose, how many times did he say it? It's just coincidence. And then right. one of their members outs him and says, no, this is all about at abortion. At the very last minute, right? I mean, I think yeah. we've been talking about it all along. So it could be revived in January, but they've got to get it done before February 1st if they want to get it on the ballot in May. And remember, we've got an abortion issue that says it's going to be on the ballot in November. So they're on a time crunch and- they spent a lot of January just acclimating a new state legislature. So also flaming out was that proposal to gut the State Board of Education. They wanted to transfer a lot of its responsibilities, included overseeing educational standards and curriculum development, to the governor's office. Remember that pithy acronym, DEW, D-E-W, Department of Education and Workforce? Obviously, this is a longstanding idea. Governor DeWine approves of it. But there are a lot of opposition from homeschool advocates and other social conservatives. So you had super liberals and super conservatives together opposing this bill. So uh, that didn't pass. And then the transgender sports bill, which, by the way, began as an uncontroversial bill about mentoring teachers. And then in the summer got the Save Women's Sports Act added into it. They couldn't get that one done either. 
Yeah, I was kind of disappointed in the school board one because I actually like the idea of the Department of Education being part of the executive branch. I just wonder with all the opposition if that one comes back. We'll have to see. I, I suspect the constitutional amendment change might not come back. It is hugely unpopular with mm-hmm. almost everybody except the anti-abortion folks who are a fringe group. They're on the they're, they're not the greater population of Ohio and to get behind that is to be branded as anti-democracy. And so I think I hope that that's dead. It's a bad idea. It's today in Ohio. A bunch of federal stimulus money is headed to Northeast Ohio for firefighters and paramedics. But one city is getting the lion's share, Layla. Which one? So it's Akron. They're going to be receiving $5.4 million for their fire department to hire 25 more firefighters and paramedics. These grants come from the Ohio First Responder Recruitment, Retention, and Resilience Program, which is statewide. It's it's funded by $75 million from the American Rescue Plan Act. Cuyahoga County and adjacent counties will be receiving $6.5 million of that to hire firefighters, paramedics, and to boost mental health services. Uh, but like you said, Akron, Akron's getting most of that. Uh, 16 departments in our region are going to get some money, mainly with the objective of trying to entice first responders to stay in the profession. Behind Akron, uh, North Olmsted police and fire departments are going to get about a quarter million for a part-time wellness coordinator and, and a wellness education program. Talmadge comes after them in our region with 105000 for physical and mental health services, plus some overtime. And then Valley City Fire Department gets 101000 for wellness and, and clinician services. You know, as you can see, for for many of the departments, the money is going to pay for wellness programs, health screenings, mental health services like peer support or counseling and things like that. So is is this because Akron is not in this? You probably could answer this, but but is Akron not in the same class as Cleveland and Columbus and Toledo? So it's in this in the second tier cities and it's the giant one in the second tier. So that's why they get the most money. I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that question. Twenty five firefighters seems like quite a quite a few to add to their force. So I, I'm assuming they must have been they must be really struggling with uh, with manpower. But um, I, I don't know why they why they cut such a big share of, of what's been doled out to our region. Seems odd. It's today in Ohio. Cleveland and Cuyahoga County made news this year with controversial proposals to help people seeking abortions by using tax dollars to pay for travel to states where the procedure is legal. We asked Northeast Ohioans what they think of that idea. Lisa, what did they tell us? And of course, these answers are kind of moot at this point because there is a preliminary injunction against the fetal heartbeat bill. So right now in Ohio, abortions are still legal up to 22 weeks. But in this poll of 504 residents in seven uh, greater Cleveland counties, almost 28% believe that Ohio women need abortion access and that tax money should be used for their travel costs. 27% said yes to out-of-state access, but no to travel subsidies. 32% 
I said that Cleveland and Cuyahoga County should not be involved in providing funds for travel and, and hotels and so forth. And a very large percentage, 12 and a half percent, were just not sure. So this was kind of a cool reception. You know, it was kind of like one third, you know, in each category, one third, you know, uh, approval rate. So uh, Justin Bibb earlier this year, after the Dobbs decision came out, he established a $100,000 reproductive freedom fund, but that came to nothing. I don't know that they even spent any money because there was just that narrow window where abortion was illegal here. The county uh, coughed up $278,000 in ARPA funds for an assistance program to educate women on available options you know, for abortion or otherwise, and also pay for travel and hotel costs. But again, I don't think they've spent any of that money. But if you look at political party, 52% of Republicans say that Cleveland and Cuyahoga County shouldn't be involved versus 22.5% Democrats and 30% independents. I still think it, this gets back to what we talked about earlier this year, that because of the novelty of the use of the tax money this way, it just has a lot of people tilting their heads and thinking about it, that nobody's done this before. And so I think it's just his hit people with with ambivalence, which I think the numbers do show. Mm -hmm. It's today in Ohio. We have known for years that a great reckoning is coming for the Greater Cleveland Regional Transit Authority in the need to replace its rail fleet. Those cars and the trains are getting old. Layla, how much money do they need and how much have they raised? They're getting closer. They are. We've been hearing about this plan for, I don't know, a few years now. For all this time, RTA hasn't been able to scrape together the money they need to replace those rail cars and update their infrastructure or even find a contractor to do the work. <laughs> but but now uh, Flounce Caver, RTA's chief operating officer, told Caitlin Durbin that this is the year for RTA. <laughs> he told Caitlin that, that RTA has raised $209 million in cash and grants toward their initial $300 million goal. And of course, you know, that price tag is probably going to increase because of inflation, just like everything else. But in, in January, RTA will be applying for $100 million uh, grants from the newly passed Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that provides a lot of federal funding to to improve roadways and bridges and freight projects and public transportation. Our, our audience might remember that this project for RTA has been just really problematic. They put the project out to bid a few years back, but they only got one proposal that didn't meet their needs. So then they put it out to bid a second time back in the spring, and those proposals were due March 9th. O officials were expecting to be voting on a contract by the fall but then in December, Caver said that negotiations were still ongoing and a manufacturer had yet to be presented to the board for consideration. And he didn't want to answer questions about the process while procurement was still ongoing. So, so the takeaway here is that it could take four to five years after a manufacturer is selected before those new cars arrive and are phased into the system. Although I would expect that that they'd be get them over time. It's not that you're going to get dozens of new cars in one shot that if they make five, they'll send over the five. No. Yeah. I mean that you would think that's how they would do it. I'm, I'm very curious to find out what the new price tag is going to be. I mean, 300 million was, uh, you know, the goal a few years back, but you know, now it's, it's a billion dollars to build a jail apparently. So how much does it cost to replace right. the fleet? 
Yeah. Well, I, the, what throws me though is when this we first started talking about this some years ago, the price tag was huge, and they had no money, none. And and it was we all were like, where is that going to come from? How are they ever going to come up with it? And they've made really good progress. I mean, yeah, I mean, two thirds to toward it. that goal. But uh, but on the other hand, what if they're like, oh, it's going to be five hundred million? Well, we're <laughs> they needed three hundred really million at the start, and they still need <laughs> three hundred. Still need. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's today in Ohio. Ousted CEO of Metro Health, Akram Boutros, has filed another lawsuit and amended his first lawsuit, going after the people that fired him. Laura, what's he allege in the new lawsuit? Basically saying, I followed all the rules. I'm not sure why this is a separate lawsuit, but it seeks damages on 10 counts. And obviously, this is the three weeks after this is happening. I can't believe how much of this is being fought in the press. Usually, you know, people just refer you to their their counsel who then refers you to the lawsuit and you're like, I'm not getting any comments, but they're putting out press releases and the Metro Health Board of Trustees is putting out their own releases that are honestly a little bit snarky. So mm. this this lawsuit details the history of the incentive program be approved by the board and makes all sorts of arguments saying why it was okay that Boutros never exceeded his authority in administer, administering his incentive program and that the board had delegated all authority to manage and control the hospital to Boutros. And that included setting wages and salaries and taking all actions necessary to enact this incentive program. He's not going to win the battle for public opinion here. Once it, they don't disagree on what happened. He, mm-hmm. he basically agrees that, I, yes, I did not tell them I had, I had created metrics for myself, rated myself and given myself a lot of dollars. And th- their attitude is you had a duty to inform us of that. We can't believe you did that for five years without telling us. I'm just surprised as you are that this is so public. He, this isn't just his firing. This is the subject now of a criminal investigation by the Ohio Ethics Commission. Mm -hmm. And when you're under criminal investigation, the smart thing people do is get with the defense attorney who tells him, shut up. Anything you say will be used against you. And he keeps saying stuff. And I, I just wonder where whether he's getting that that advice that your battle isn't for public opinion. Your battle is likely to be in the courts and doesn't matter what public opinion says at that point. Absolutely. But can I just read the statement from Metro Health? Because I was surprised to see it. He says, this is another attempt to rewrite history. Once again, let's be clear, Dr. Boutros was terminated because we learned he was paying himself almost $2 million in bonuses that had not been authorized by the Metro Health Board. It's that simple. To claim otherwise is to continue with a smear the reputation of the very institution he claims to love to undermine his successor. He does have a new strategy, though, that evolved from from this that's interesting because one board member quit saying he backs Boutros, believes he had the right to do what he did. And so they amended their first lawsuit to remove that guy as a defendant. So that's basically saying to all the board members, hey, renounce what you did and you're not going to be the subject of a lawsuit. That's right. I thought that was interesting because that guy's not named in the new lawsuit. So uh, right, not in the new. And then they went back to the old one and took his name out. So yeah, yeah. You wonder what the phone calls are like between those two. Yeah, very interesting. It's today in Ohio. Let's do one more. It's still the Christmas shopping season, and one kind of place where people shop is warehouse clubs like Costco. 
our Saving You Money columnist, Sean McDonald, looked at whether the clubs are worth the cost. Laura, what did he find? He, it depends. I love Sean's answer. It depends <laughs> how many people are in your house and how much, how much you buy and, and what kind of food or products you're using. But it can add up, uh, obviously. Even you know a couple of cents on something like diapers. If you buy enough diapers, then yeah, it's going to be worth it. Now, Sean is not buying diapers. And so he doesn't have a membership to one of these clubs. I've got to say, I've, I don't know that I've ever been to Costco, which is super surprising. Wow. Whoa, really? Laura. <laughs> I know, Holy right? Moly. You, um, would you like me to take you? Because I'm I sure. Like this, this should be. You want to yes, do that over the holiday? Yes. <laughs> Layla and Laura go to Costco. <laughs> you can buy a five-pound tub of mayonnaise there. Or you can buy like a treadmill or like a trip. I mean, these kind of places sell all sorts of things. What Sean is saying, you know, you don't actually know if those special deals they're offering are actual deals because it's hard to compare. But he, he even goes into um, how much toilet paper you would have to buy to save. I, I say this every time about Sean's columns. Go read them online. They are great. I, I do want to point out, I'm a longtime Costco guy, and there also is a quality of the product that is important. There's certain cuts of meat. If you get them there, they're very good. And I'm a celiac. I've been a celiac for 21 years. Uh, and one of the harder things to get for years and years was a decent pizza. Buddy's Pizza in Detroit is the best that I've had. But they came out a couple of years ago with a gluten-free pizza that celiacs are nuts about. You can't really? get it anywhere else. It's worth the club membership. Interesting. Just that. I so, would say the club membership is worth the free samples. You can feed your whole family <laughs> lunch on a Saturday for That's free. That's why we're going to Costco. We'll get lunch, Layla. <laughs> yeah. Just walk around tasting the hummus. <laughs> All right. That does yeah. it for the Friday episode of Today in Ohio. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Layla. Thanks to everybody who listens. Have a terrific weekend. We will be here for many of the days ahead all the way up through January 3rd. <laughs>